Well, in case you haven't heard, Crossville now has a Chick-fil-A, and that's big news around here. And since the Cookville location is pretty much always busy, I think, I don't know this for certainty, but we could time it. You might be able to come up the mountain, get Chick-fil-A, and eat it before you could ever get through the drive through line in Cookville. I don't know that, but that's just a suspicion of mine. And even better, I and some of my other friends would be one of the friendly employees who would be delighted to serve you. And as we always say, it would be my pleasure. My work at Chick-fil-A has been my first real job experience. Now I've benefited many times through other people at our local congregations that we have served under. I've done yard work, I've done just little jobs around to help someone out, but it's my first time being under payroll, I guess you could say. And I'm sure that all of you remember the first job that you had. And I hope that it has been a great experience for you. I remember, of course, your first paycheck. You probably remember that one real good. I certainly have. And that's a good feeling whenever you see that coming into your bank account. I hope all of you who are still working enjoy your job. I certainly have enjoyed working myself, and I hope that you enjoy that. And for all of you who are retired, I'm sure that you very much so appreciate my weekly contributions to the Social Security Fund. <laughs> when we think about Jesus, what are some words that come to mind? Well, a lot of the times we think Savior, Lord, and those are all good words and those are absolutely correct. And those are great things that we can spend a great deal of time studying. However, tonight, I would like to look at Jesus in terms of what we would call jobs. That is three things that he does for us. When thinking about the jobs of Jesus, what comes to mind first? Well, a lot of times we think of Mark 6, verse 3, which lets us know that Jesus had the earthly occupation of a carpenter. Jewish boys often were trained in the occupation of their father, and we know that Joseph was a carpenter as well. And I guess that you could say that I am imitating that, as my father is a preacher too. But tonight, let's consider three what we will call jobs of Jesus. First off, I want to look at Jesus as the great physician. Now, I know that we're all very thankful for physicians in this world. They have a great deal of knowledge, and we appreciate the care that they provide. We know that they can specialize in certain things. Pediatricians specialize in caring for our children. You could go to the cardiologist for your heart health. And there's just so many different varieties that we have almost every type of health care that we could possibly want. Romans 3, verse 23, says this. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now we know that those who do not have the mental capabilities to reason like we do, or the little children, cannot sin. We know that for certain. But to all of us who have reached the age of account accountability, we know that we have sinned. 
And so by that definition, we are sick. Luckily, we have the greatest physician in Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, which says this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as soon and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now in this passage, we read that Jesus called Levi. And Levi was a tax collector. Now as I'm sure that many of us know, tax collectors are not our funnest, are not the favorite people of most people. And especially under Roman rule, they were not, especially those Jews who chose to be in the tax collecting occupation. And since they were under Roman rule, they were working for Rome. And so those Jews who decided to work for Rome were often viewed with hatred, and they were not appreciated, that is for sure, especially since the Jews saw working with the Romans as opposing their own people. Now, when the Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating with these tax collectors and sinners, now Pharisees were, of course, those people who thought that they dotted every I and crossed every T as it related to the law of Moses, they thought, and they posed this question to the disciples of Jesus, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And they thought, why would this man, if he was truly the Messiah, why would he not be spending time with us, the people who really care about the law and who have been anticipating his arrival? But Jesus said this whenever he heard them. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now we know that the Pharisees weren't all that righteous themselves. However, they certainly needed some healing as well especially to where their heart was. Now, when do we go to the doctor usually? Well, usually we go to the doctor whenever we are sick, right? Unless it's for a checkup. Well, tonight, if you are spiritually sick because of your sins, we will tell you how to come to Jesus for healing at the end of this lesson. But maybe tonight you just need a checkup with the greatest physician, Jesus. I sort of think that prayer... Is kind of like a spiritual checkup with God, if you will. After all, whenever we go to a checkup with the doctor, we oftentimes talk to him or her 
about how we've been feeling, how our physical bodies are doing, and all of that, and just an overview of how we've been doing. Whenever we go to God in prayer, we should tell him about all of our worries and concerns, whether that be about our physical health, or if it be about our mental health, and especially if it be about our spiritual health, as he can especially help with that. Jesus died on the cross to heal us. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says this. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. So Jesus died so that we can live. So whenever we have some care or trouble in our lives, let's go to Jesus to find a cure for all the pain and hurt in life. We are encouraged in 1 Peter 5 verse 7 to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Now, the second point that I would like to make on this, on these so-called jobs of Jesus is Jesus as the master teacher. Now, I'm blessed to be in the presence of many school teachers, as I know. I would especially like to shout out, if you will, my grandpa and grandma, who have worked in the school system for many years and who I'm very thankful for. I know that Ma did a good job with my father, and I know that he always likes to call back to those memories. And, of course, I'm most thankful for my mother, who has taught me for all the years of my life. It is said that a mediocre teacher tells... A good teacher explains, and a great teacher demonstrates. And Jesus was no different. Jesus, as the greatest teacher who ever lived, lived his life as an example, and both in word and by his actions. Let's read John chapter 13, verse 15, which we just read a moment ago. John chapter 13, verse 15. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Later, Peter added this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus, as the master teacher, had incomparable authority. And I'm sure for all of you who have worked in the public school systems, you know that you have a higher-up of authority. And even as kids, you know that you can always be sent to the principal's office. I didn't have a principal's office in my home. However, I knew that the principal would be coming home. I knew that for certain. Now, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we'll read first off verses 24 through 27. In this passage, we note that Jesus is teaching in this sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. And we would be benefited to read all of that sermon. However, let's just read one section. 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now in these verses, we learn that Jesus truly had wise sayings. But let's also read verses 28 and 29, which say, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. We see that these people who were listening to Jesus during his preaching were truly amazed with the authority, which, of course, Jesus had all authority. Jesus says that all authority has been given to him. But it says not as his scribes, as their scribes, which is interesting since those scribes, was their very job was to copy the law, to know the law, and to interpret the law. However, Jesus spoke with more authority than that even. The third point that I would like to make on this is that Jesus knew perfectly his subject matter. Luke 2, verse 47, records this. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And this account is whenever Jesus was but a child. He was probably about 12 years old. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that I could probably beat someone out on my Bible knowledge whenever I was 12 of someone who had been studying the law for their entire life. Jesus never had to guess what the will of the Heavenly Father was. While Jesus is teaching in John 6, verse 38, he says this, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And to me, that doesn't sound like Jesus is just guessing of what the will of the Father is. Finally, on this point, I would like to say that Jesus was the master teacher because he knew how to, make, how to relate to his audience. And I'm sure that any of you may remember a good school teacher who truly tried to know you and tried to make you be able to learn as best as they could. They probably tried to know you and know how you learned. Now, not all of us probably had that, but I know that the best teachers are those who can relate. Jesus taught someone like Nicodemus, who was a student of the law for his entire life, differently than he would have a Samaritan woman. Now, that's not to say that Jesus, by any means, was prejudiced against anyone. He loved everyone. However, he did know how to relate to someone as best as he could with all their different backgrounds. I'm learning in my job personally how you have to just deal with certain different people. It's definitely sometimes hard to know who's having a bad day and who's having a good day. And sometimes it's very easy, in fact, too. But I'm thankful that Jesus, as the master teacher, knew how to relate in this perfect way. 
Number three, and finally, I would like to look at Jesus as the builder of the church. Now, let's turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that, I, that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, other Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, we see Jesus in this passage asking his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And I'm sure that we could go around this auditorium and you could probably ask everyone in here, who do, who, what do you know me as, excuse me? And probably a lot of the answers would come back as probably Jimmy and Linda's grandson. You probably hear that quite a few times. But there would also be different answers. There's even different answers in this account. Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. However, Jesus goes a little bit deeper in this discussion with his apostles and says this but who do you say that I am and so Jesus is answered by Peter in one of his finer moments in the Bible he had a few rough ones but that was one of his finer moments and the Bible says you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus blesses Simon and then makes his promise you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here we see the promise that Jesus would build his church. And since it was his church, that means that it is the only one and that it belongs to Jesus. And I don't know why anyone would want to belong to a church built by a man or by anyone who is not Christ. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Which says this, For no one can lay a foundation other than what that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Ephesians 3, 20. Through 22, which says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus, Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus certainly accomplished his job of building the church. And the church is the greatest thing that has ever come down 
to earth other than Jesus, of course. Jesus truly knew how to perfectly build his church. We see in many occasions throughout the New Testament on the leadership hierarchy of the church. And we know that the church is made up of imperfect people, but the church itself is perfect. And we appreciate that for what it is. And we certainly are thankful for Jesus in all of his roles. In conclusion, are you a member of the church that Jesus built? To become one, you must listen to the master teacher and you must take the prescription of the great physician, which is, you must hear and believe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10, verse 17. Jesus also said, unless you believe that I am who, I am he who will, unless you believe I am he, you will die in your sins, John 8, 24. And to receive healing from sin, you must also repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe tonight, as a Christian, you need to more closely follow the blueprint left by him who built the church. Maybe you just need to check up with the great physician through prayer. Or maybe you have to listen to the master teacher a little bit more closely. As Christians, we are offered the gift of being able to be forgiven through the prayers of the church. And if any of these needs are yours, please come as we stand and sing together.